Yeah. All right. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you this morning. Uh, we open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds. Um, we want your presence. We want your reality. We want your strength. We want to appear before you, like, I, like Psalm says, from strength to strength, appear before you. Enlarge our spirits, our intuition. Do that for every person in here and especially Chloe. God, begin to enlarge her little spirit, which isn't little, but begin to increase her with revelation, impartation. I thank God for the, the next generation. And I want to praise you and thank you. We open our hearts and call for your kingdom to come right now. Your person, the king and the kingdom in our hearts. Though you're invisible, you're not intangible, you're not transfer, you are transferable. And we're here right now. Stir up our hearts, awaken our spirits, draw us to run after you right now. Energize us, enlighten us, increase us with the increase of God. We call on your name. We call you Lord, Lord, and we do what you say to do. I thank you for every person in here, the callings, the elections the selections and the, and the operations in their lives. A lot of seers, a lot of prophetic people, God, I thank you for it. Thank you for that. Blessed are the pure in heart they shall see. You make us see. See with our eyes, hear with our ears, understand with our hearts, and be converted to the next level. So we praise you and thank you. We speak well of the Father, your sovereignty, your reality, your hand upon us, kept by your power and through faith. God, thank you so much. And thank you, Jesus, for being the way, the truth, and the life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the work and doing the work of God through us. So we bless you. We thank you right now. Bend my heart, bend my mind in the direction that I'm to communicate your revelation, your reality. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. All right. Go to uh, 2 Thessalonians. It's going to take you a while. It took me a while to get there. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's towards the back there, if you're looking. Second Thessalonians, and I want you to write on your notes, times, seasons, and happenings. Times, seasons, and happenings, right? And I, was, I spent some time the other day praying, and <clears throat> I thought about the, the day that kind of that we're in, and, it was, and that scripture came to me, Ephesians 5, and he says, uh, I want you to uh, buy up the opportunity, make the most of the time, for the days are evil. And, and I want you to write down evil days. Days are evil. That's the times, right? So when you're writing down days, and I think it's Ephesians 5. You go home and look at it later. Ephesians 5, 18 maybe. He says that the days are evil. And if, if you turn there, maybe even if you want to turn there and someone read it for me in a second. But he talks about the days. We're in evil days. Uh, Ephesians 6, after five, the fifth chapter, talks about uh, seasons, days of evil, right? Like the days of Noah is one of the things. And in the days of Noah, it said people in Genesis imagined evil. Their thoughts and their imaginations were evil all the time. So we're kind of like in that day, evil day. What do we do? Buying up the most of the time by redeeming the time, right? And I talked to people, like three different people all week, and they got an idea that they transgressed, they, they messed up, and they believe in consequences. And we do. There is consequences but there's redemption. You got to get you put down in your notes. Intuition's redemption. If you're you have a walk with God, what you do, you you're His child. Your uh, Chloe is. You're His daughter. Your sons. You're that. You have intuition, illumination. You have light. You have revelation, and God speaks in that area for redemption. You don't pay all your consequences. You own your consequences, but you don't pay for those, right? So if you're going to stay in consequences, you're going to stay in a long time of suffering, of mental anguish, of self-afflicting, 
and uh, shoulda, coulda, wouldas, but that's not the way the gospel works. The gospel has redemption. And the illustration of every Bible guy in there is redemption. For Moses, that had was the hothead. Moses uh, uh, killed somebody. Moses pulled the trigger, married the wrong somebody at the well. He was wanting to beat up the bad guys. He broke the neck of the bad guys. And then he went on a hiatus and got discouraged. But the illustration is, yeah, there's redemption. Not just consequences, right? If you live in consequences, you're living in natural life. If you live in redemption, you're living in God's reality and spiritual life. Redemption, the definition by nature is to buy back, to purchase, to put back where you fell from. So when you're put back with God, redemption, lean into it. God will speak to your intuition with the voice of redemption, not the echo of consequences. You will have consequences. I, I talked to a guy the other day. He said, remember that thing you said, sin will, will uh, keep me longer than I want to stay, cost me more than I want to pay, and that it will, right? But God doesn't leave you in that, right? He, he does redemption, intuition. He'll always speak to your intuition, redemption, to buy back, to purchase back, to place where you fell from. That's redemption. So if you live in consequences, you're going to go around the mountains of life forever with, I should have done this, I regret this, I could have done that. I don't want to live there. You can't live there. That's natural thinking. That's natural man. You want to live in redemption, which God will speak to your inside. And it gives you tons of illustrations. Old Testament guys, Moses, David, all those guys had consequences, but God's sovereignty and reality, redemption, set them right back in the place that they're to be. All right? So lean into the redemption of God. Lean into the intuition. Take heed to your spirit. Malachi says, we're a spiritual people. We're called people. We're chosen. We're elected, selected by God. And he speaks in our human spirit. And he does to everyone. And as your years go on, you'll be aware, awakened to even more of that. So pay attention. Take heed to your spirit. Write it down. Take heed to intuition. And I want you to do that because that's where everything starts. You're going to find in your life, and I found in mine, that intuition is where the spirit, uh, spirit is there illumination, there's impartation, there's reality. That's in your human spirit, right? And so you'll find that at times in intuition, the next thing I would write down after intuition is the next, the next word was uh, instinct. So intuition, instinct, right? So you're going to find that sometimes your spirit will go up and your mind has to catch up. Write it down. Sometimes your spirit will go up. Every time you hear something intuitively, there's love, life, light, and the elements of truth in that, right? Every time. And he'll lift you up and your spirit will be automatically, what I was telling you the other day, what's the word I was looking for? Uh, uh, in, not intuition. Ah, poop. I just forgot the word. Uh, not inherent. Instinctively. Instinctively. Your instinction will overtake your mental perception. Your mind will have to catch up a little bit sometimes. Your spirit will go up. That's why it says Jesus is seated far above. Your spirit will go above and your mind at sometimes will have to catch up, right? Your mental perception can keep you from catching up with your spirit sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Spirit's illumination, you're going to go up every time. You're going to go higher. You're going to go stronger. You're going to be more electrified. You're going to have more energy of God. And, but your mental perception can stay behind, mm -hmm. Right? So what intuition, and then you go to instinct, right? Instinct is your DNA. Sometimes your mental perception will keep you frozen. It'll keep you backward. You, you, the way you see yourself, the way you uh, think it is happening, uh, your spirit's way ahead of it, you have to catch up, right? So don't go with your mental perception. Go with instinctual action. I could sit in here all day and I meditate on God and get a revelation, but I could also meditate all day and think about my mental perception 
But then when someone rings a doorbell, my instinctual action takes place. Now I'm caught up. I'm not backwards. I'm not behind. So your mind, write it down. The origin of your mind is to aid and support intuition and the human spirit. It's made for that. It's not made to lead. Your mind's not made to lead you. Your, your mind will entangle you. Your mind is in the order of God and divine order is to represent what your spirit is getting. So sometimes you got to catch up. I'm telling you that practically. So how you catch up sometimes is don't overthink it. Instinctively, watch your instincts. When the situation happens, watch your instincts, right? You'll do it instinctually. You'll take actions instinctually. And that will tell you where your, where your spirituality really is, right? You're not in your head. You're in the heart, in the moment, in the second of life, right? right. Make sense? Thanks. All right, pay attention to that because your mind will, will put you back. If you go with your mental perception over intuitions, revelation, you're going to be behind. That mind will drag you back instead of cooperate and go forward, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I was talking last week, and I don't want to go over a bunch, maybe picking up some fragments, but uh, about uh, Proverbs 22, the ancient boundaries, uh, the landmarks, uh, things trying to take your ground, your measure, right? That we're not letting that happen. So the next thing is, Days are evil in redemption. The next level is it's a time and season of faith, right? There's a lot going on universally. There's a lot going on uh, politically. There's a lot happening, right? And uh, we know that. But all it does is squeeze us into faith's reality. And uh, the process of what's going on out there, crooked politicians, incompetent, I would even say evil men, like a guy like Biden, that's just the fact of the matter, and that administration, it'll go away. But we can use it right now to increase our faith. You know, they got mandates, but we got God's faith. And you got to put that down. I don't live by mandates. I live by God's faith. Yeah, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2. He said, uh, I'm dead, crucified in the 19th chapter of religion. I'm dead to all that, and I'm alive in God. And it's not I who live, but the new I that lives and the faith of the Son. And you got that faith in you, right? Yeah. So we're in, a, we're in a time of faith. Faith takes you out of the natural and, and brings in the spiritual, right? Faith is, is a supernatural with God, right? So that's what we're going to work with faith. And I kind of, I'm getting a lead into it for if they didn't hear it last week, we can, go, we can go into it now. But the days are evil. Yes, they are. Days of Noah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Men imagine evil almost all the time. Pretty much. No, people are more lawless than ever. Timothy said, pretty true. And people don't understand authority. Absolutely. So what, what you're going to do is learn these things with faith. So I want you to look in uh, 2 Thessalonians, and I'm going to read in verse, I think, 3. I'll start in 1. No, I'll start in 2. Grace unto you. And what grace is, is, is the divine influence to your heart causing you to believe, right? Grace is that. Grace is unmerited. Grace is given. Grace is the position that sets us up to lean into faith's reality. Grace positions you to believe, right? So he starts out already speaking, right? He says, grace be unto you and peace. So to have to function in real faith, you're going to have to be calm, right? You're not going to panic. You're going to have to have peace. Peace is calm. The biblical peace that Jesus said he's called the prince of peace, he's a peacemaker. And you put a slash because I know many people that are peace lovers and not peacemakers. Mm -hmm. They just want peace at all sake, right? But it's not the order of God. The kingdom of God is righteousness. you got to have things right first. Then comes peace, right? Mm -hmm. And then comes joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. It's in an order. 
So I have, I've, I've lived with people here years back and they were peace lovers. Oh, don't, don't confront that guy. Don't tell him the truth. Don't do that. I just, I just want peace. Well, that's not God, right? That's a peace lover. Peacemaker is different, right? Yeah. It distinguishes things. So just always divine order removes chaos. It removes chaos in your life, my life. It removes chaos in political lives. It removes chaos on the earth. It, it brings divine order, right? It puts things in order. Order makes things better. Order is not control. It just makes things clearer and better. It's called administration, right? Mm -hmm. Write down in your notes if you want to learn some reality. Is 1 Corinthians 12. I wouldn't have you ignorant of spiritual matters. And he talks about the Father's in charge of the operation. Jesus is in charge of the administration. And the Holy Spirit's in charge of the manifestations. And you'll find that in your life. Does it really matter if you define it? Not really. But you'll know where you're going mm -hmm. by who is speaking, right? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And the Father is the will of God. Jesus is the way of God, and the Holy Spirit is the work of God. And that's where people get really off, because if you don't line those up, and, and God the Father didn't grant you and establish you or give you that placing and delegate that to you, then you're just doing the work without the will. And it doesn't count for much. No. you got to have the will first, then the way, which is narrow, no compromise, just truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and then the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why, that's why everything's chaotic in the ministries that you're telling me. Because most of those people haven't been called by God, selected in that way, positioned, placed there by him, delegated to by him. They haven't. So what you have is a fun house of toying with God, but not the will of God, not the, the way of God, nor the work of God. Mm -hmm. It'll be empty, so that's why you need all the hype. Mm -hmm. That's why you need the ambiance. That's why you need the lighting, because the light of the world is not there. Mm -hmm. It's just men's mechanics and mental perception. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, enough said. <laughs> so, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be unto you. And he says, uh, we are bound to, to give thanks always for you. And because, because that your faith grows exceedingly. I want you to circle that. Exceedingly growing faith. One translation will say, your faith is increasing. Right? We start out, all of us. Then when we receive Jesus Christ, the person, the illumination, the new birth, the new creation, we have a measure of faith, right? We start out with faith. We start out faith believing. God granted us faith. Ephesians 2 says, by grace, we're saved through faith. Both are the gift of God. Faith comes right after grace. You know, every person in here, I, I've witnessed and seen the accepting of Jesus, right? They believed. They've accepted. Right. From the smallest to the oldest. Well, who gave you that grace to believe? It's God. It's His grace is the gift, and the faith is the gift. Mm -hmm. You don't have to muster up your own faith. The, the disciples were in Luke, said 17th chapter. You look later. They said, increase our faith. And he goes, no, you already have faith. It's the size of a seed, but you've got to exercise it. Right. For you, your faith to grow, you don't need more faith. You've just got to exercise the measure of faith you have. Mm -hmm. you, everybody's got it. Romans 12, a measure of faith for the journey you're on. And you'll have that faith forever. It's without repentance. It's, it, it's a part of the calling in your life. So that faith won't go away, right? right. So you're, we're to grow in faith. And I want you to write down in your notes four types of faith. That one translation says to increase exceedingly or beyond measure. To, incre to increase above ordinary degree. I want you to say this out loud with me. My faith is growing. My faith is My faith's increasing. My strength in faith is increasing, right? 
Right. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Write it down if you are. We know the days are evil, right? But we know that God's redeeming them. Right. No matter what you've been through, like I've been, it's been all week, I've been talking to people about redemption. Mm -hmm. Okay, you've got consequences, but for God's sake, lean into redemption. Don't live like a natural man. Live like a spiritual man. And in the spiritual, in the kingdom of God, there's redemption. Buying back, paying back, placing back. Believe that because God's going to be saying that. Mm -hmm. If you've fallen in an area, redemption. He's going to speak in intuition, redemption. He's going to say, come up higher. And your head's going to say, but I don't deserve this. And your head's going to say, but I made this mistake. Or I did this, or I transgressed. And the transgression's greater than your redemption, God. That's an indictment. I'm not doing that. I'm believing what he said to my insides over my mind's perception. Right. Otherwise, I'll be frozen in time. Mm -hmm. So that's what you, you need to take heed to that and listen to that. Believe the voice and intuition, not the echo in your imagination. That's a good one. Write it down. Mm -hmm. Believe the voice and intuition and not the echo in your imagination. That, that voice in your head uh, that's talking is just an echo. There's a voice within your human spirit that is speaking. Listen to that. Take heed to that. Believe unto that. Yeah. Believing is honoring. Believing causes us for entering where we were going from into where we're supposed to be. So that's faith, right? That's right. 2 Corinthians uh, 4.13, it says that at this, it reads like this. And I, I want you to get out. We're not talking about principled faith. We're not talking about pretend faith. We're not talking about foolishness. We're not talking about over Pentecostalism. We're talking about the living one that lives in us that speaks to us, that speaks in us. And if we just instinctively act after intuition, we'll be in a miracle transition in life and we'll see things begin to happen. That's right. I lean into that. I, always, I, I live by that. Hebrew says, the just shall live by faith. And just say that with me. Say, just live just by faith. Live by right? Faith. Just live by faith. That's what you got to do. And that's what you do. And that faith is, is not a pretense. Faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is a substance. Yes. Now, faith is a substance. It, the, the substance is from God to your heart, mixed with your heart with God, and that becomes a substance which will eventually become an evidence. Mm -hmm. Something will happen. We don't just say, we're not of those uh, that shrink back. We don't just say we're believing, we're believing and believing, and we don't see. We believe first, and then we see second. Right. And I, I could give you testimonies, or like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, maybe I have to boast in some foolishness because most people are talking foolishness. You read that chapter, it's intense. Second Corinthians 11, this dude don't play. I wish I could do the same if I had the spiritual testicles to do what he did. And he doesn't play. He goes, okay, I'll go to boasting because it's foolish and I'm going to tell you the truth. But no, there's always an evidence with faith. So what, what God inspired you, he motivated you to believe. You take that step intuitively and instinctively, action. You start seeing things happen, evidentially. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence, evidence, say evidence. evidence. There is an evidence to your faith. It's, it doesn't remain invisible, always. Whatever was said to you will begin to happen through you. You know, we'll talk about Abraham's faith later. And Abraham said he had, we should follow the, our father of faith, Abraham. But Abraham had two things going that most people don't look at the thread. The sovereignty of the father and faith that was engaged in him by God, right? So we see that they write, the writers write in the New Testament how great Abraham's faith was. When you look back in the Old Testament, you see how Abraham's faltering was, right? And, but the Old Testament is an illustration for us to be encourage us to live in a New Testament reality, right? right? So he says, increasing means to increase above ordinary degree, to grow in faith, 2 Corinthians. We having the same spirit of faith, say spirit of faith, according as it is written. I believe, 
and therefore I will speak. So what I want you to do in the, and after the in, intuition's illumination, I want you to write down anything that you know that is a reality of God speaking, where you, know, you, you don't want to argue with him, but you know, it, you know inside that it really is him. Um, not weird, not, not spooky, not pretending, just a, a strength to your heart, uh, an impression, something to your in, intuition, an illumination. I want you to write that down because that's part of how faith will work in our lives. It'll go intuition and instinctive action. I, I, I would encourage everyone, if you have any intuition thing going on that you know, just it, go instinctively and take action. It'll erase your doubt because it'll start happening. Almost every time when I'm, I feel overwhelmed or what's going on and I start to you know, sink or start going, I don't know, man. The voice uh, of the mountain in my head is dark and gloomy. It's not the Mount Zion. I want you to write it down because you, you get up every day and it could be a different day. But you, you want to live by intuition. You want to live by instincts, action, and get down the road. And your mind will catch up. It won't keep battling. It won't keep fighting. Your mind will represent the real part of you and God inside of you, right? There's, I want you to write down in Hebrews. We always talk about two trees. Hebrews 12. He said uh, there's two mountains. And Paul's making a contrast between religion and Zion between religions, and he talks about a mountain. And he says, for we have not come unto a mountain like Sinai. So you write in your notes, one mountain is Sinai, the other mountain is Zion. That's the difference between our spirit and our soul. Our spirit is our spiritual Zion. Our mind, is, it has to do with that Sinai. The mental man will be gloomy. The mental man will have darkness. The mental man will have negativity. The mental man will always lean into the gloomy, the despair and the discouragement. That's the mental man. That's called Mount Sinai. He says, that's not the mountain that we've came to. He said, we've come to a mountain called Zion. And there's a transition there, right? Mm -hmm. So your spirit is today's Zion. Your mind is, is the unrenewed parts of your mind is Sinai. Uh, I will go there real quick and I don't want to get off the track, but it's Hebrews chapter 12. It's no different than two trees in the garden. It's a, it just, Paul is a, an excellent writer and he begins to communicate this in a way of distinction for the Hebrew people. And the Hebrew people were wanting to go back to religion. They were wanting to go back to uh, sacrificing. They were wanting to go back. And he's saying like, no, that, you can't go back. You, you're in the wrong mountain, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for, let me see, I'll find the verse here. He talks about strengthening people, lift up the feeble, lift up the hands. Then he goes over. Let's see. I think it's in verse 20, 21, I think. Maybe back. Let's see. 22? Maybe so. Let me see. 22. Okay, but you are... You are but you are come unto Zion, verse 22 of Hebrews 12, of Mount Zion. Or sorry, it says, but you are come to Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God of judge of all things, and the judge of all spirits, to just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of sprinklings that speaks of better things than Abel. See that you don't refuse him, right? But before that, it says... Uh, 
Before that, it talks about Mount Sinai, and it'll tell you that. So in your head, when you start going with the gloom, you start going with the doom, you're in religion. You're not in reality, right? Let me look back. If you tottering knees, discipline, strive in peace, that no man become guilt. Okay, for understanding later one with the blessing, for you have done da 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 da. Touch. Okay, I think it's the the eighteenth verse, right? For you have not come. Say, I have not come. So when you're tending that in your mind and your mental perception is not caught up with your spiritual, what your spiritual interception has gotten, for you have, we have not come as did the Israelites to the wilderness, to the material mountain that can be touched, a mountain that is ablaze, right? A fire, to gloom, to darkness, to a storm, right? You didn't come to that. Nor did you come to a blast of a trumpet, uh, a, a blast of a trumpet, right? And that's always alarming. When a trumpet's blasting, it's always alarming. When you're in religion, it's always an alarmist, not a strategist. Always, all my days, almost 40 years of this, it's always an alarm. Religion's always like, you know, the, the, the sky is falling. This is happening. This is happening. And it's not happening because they're, they're alarmists, not strategists. Mm-hmm. And God's not that. He said, you didn't come to that mountain. So in your own life, you get gloomy. You get a, a shrouded with darkness. You get cloudy. You're in the wrong mountain, right? I didn't come to that mountain. I'm in Mount Zion, right? It's a very good distinction that will keep you out of it. And that's why Paul wrote that, right? He said, and so terrible was it in Moses' sight. And, and he, then he talks about Zion. So you read the Hebrews 12, and it talks about faith as well. So let me get back on here. The spirit of faith, I believe, therefore I have said, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to write down, if you haven't already wrote, wrote down, intuition is far above and ahead of mental perception. I want you to write it down. Intuition is far above and ahead of mental perception. From after you go to intuition, you go to instinctual connection with God. And I want you to know your instinct is what is part of who you are with God by creation and by regeneration. Your instinctual behavior is part of who he made you in creation and regeneration. You'll take action in a certain way by the way he created you in the bending when things are going on without thinking. You'll take acting without thinking. You'll take action without thinking. That will locate who he made you, how he made you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to try to be that. You are that. Instinction. It's instinctual for you, right? And yet your mind, if you look at in 1 Corinthians 14 later, it'll take, Paul says, my spirit is basically blowing up with God, but my mind has to have understanding. And sometimes your mind's just behind the curve, right? Mm-hmm. So just keep going with intuition. Write it down. Take action and let your mental perception catch up with it. And then don't live in the gloom. Don't live in the doom. Don't live with what your mind is saying. Live on what the spirit of life is saying, right? Listen, hear him, right? So four types of faith. So that's a good charge for it. That's a good increase. You don't have to have more faith. And I'll give you one more, Galatians 3, 5. And it's how we live. Hebrews says the just shall live by faith. Just live by faith. Faith for everything. Um, right now, like I said, your intuition will over and your instinct instinct will overcome your natural knowledge. It'll overcome religion. It'll overcome medical science because what intuition says is by the creator, right? right? It'll trump every one of those. You just pay attention to that. Okay, Galatians 3, 5 says it like this. He that ministers the spirit, does he do so by keeping the, uh, the words of the law? I don't care if a Bible becomes an idol, it's an idol. It's, the, it's, not the, it's not the letter, it's the spirit that gives life. 
It's the spirit and the word that's truth, right? It's not just a verse. It's not just a text. If you start making this an idol, then it's an idol. It's dead and it doesn't live. I don't care. You can quote every scripture you want, but unless it's, it's not the letter, but it's the spirit and the word, it's not going to give any life. And people put this thing up in shelves. They put it on their chest when they sleep. They make it an idol. It's not that, right? We don't want idols. First Corinthians 12, read it. He goes, uh, I don't want you to be ignorant of spirituals. Uh, we don't serve dumb idols. Idols are quiet and mute. He goes, we don't serve mute things that can't talk to you. Right. We serve the living God, right? And that's the difference. He's alive and he's speaking. So every one of you have that sense of God, that light of God, that intuition with God. So if you pay attention to that, write that down, act on that, you'll begin to see some happenings with God in that. Mm-hmm. So what did I say here? Let's see. Three, five. He that ministers the Spirit, does he do so by the keeping of the law or by the hearing of faith? Right? And it's by the hearing of faith. We, were, we went over that some months back, so I don't want to stay there. Okay, so what I want to go into now is I, I, want, to, I want to kick in the recap, some that didn't get caught on the, on the tape thing last week. And I want you to write down four times of, four types of faith, right? Four types of faith. And then we're growing in our faith. Say, I'm growing. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to grow in my experience, right? I'm going to grow in hope. I'm going to grow in love. I'm going to grow in faith, right? It's a, it's a season of faith. Uh, natural things. That, you know, if you've ever exercised your faith for provision, now you're going to have to learn how to exercise your faith for provision. If people told you in, 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 uh, in America that you couldn't work somewhere or you couldn't do something because you had a conviction, guess what, man? You're going to have to lean into God's reality of faith for provision. Mm-hmm. You know, I started that when I was brand new. When I left California, I learned the hard way, but I nevertheless, I learned by faith reality. When I, when I was in East Texas and, and moved and left, and I'm going to tell you the story because maybe it increases faith in it, that I said, it's either God or bust. Either this is going to be real or it's not. Either your word's true or it's not. And I wrote in my old Bible, I want to know the God of the Bible, not what people are saying. And so provision was lean. And, uh, but I learned how to do it. I learned how to live a base and I learned how to live a bound. And, uh, and I didn't make my family pay great prices. I can tell you story after story. But if you don't learn faith as God as your provider and not just your regular job, you're going to be duped. When those things come down or if you lose your job, it's, it's a time of faith. It's time I got to believe. Either you are or you're not. And Hebrews says, he that comes to God must believe that he is. Because he is, right? So provision, I, you, but there's practicals. You, you believe God, but you do things, right? I, right. I washed windows. I, I sewed. I didn't have money to give at times. My neighbors were broker than me. And I, what, all I could give them was a prayer. Lord, they were crying. You remember the neighbors next door, that the, uh, they had that van. Somebody gave them, and they were broke. They came from New York, and they had nothing. They didn't have food stuff, and I had nothing. I had gas. I rode my bike and did jobs on a bike. To learn, I learned how to be a base. We learned how to bound, but I. Of, like David quoted in Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. I'm not going to lack any good thing. I may not have a ton of things outwardly, but I'll have provision. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I might not have outwardly, but I'll have provision. Absolutely. Yeah. And you learn that way of God. And, you, and if you can believe him in that for your provision or the, the next job or, or the financing or the foods, whatever it takes, 
he's with you in it, you experience him in it. And I'll tell you straight up, I did that with, I had no money to give, but I gave a prayer. Lord, send prosperity to this man. And he would just cry. Say, send prosperity to his family. I had, I think, $5. I was embarrassed. That's all I have. Take it. So if God can trust you with the small things, he'll increase you in the larger things. I wasn't some preacher saying, just give me a paycheck. I didn't sit there in in an office saying, you owe me. No, you go out and do what God says and he'll provide for you. I never wanted to be those monks that are locked in there. And what the Bible says that they're hirelings, looking for the shade, looking for the wage. They don't want to lift a finger. They don't want to do a thing. They want to sit down. That's why half of them are all overweight, just sitting in chairs. Say, give me your money. Give me your money. They don't understand that God's a provider. They'll never understand that. I've talked to them and they never understood it. God's my provider. Okay, then let's see. No, no, please. Give me three more months. Nah, that's not reality, dude. Yeah. You're talking the talk, but you don't have the walk. Don't talk to me. Mm-hmm. That there's a price to pay, but you're learning faith. Yeah. Learn that. That's what Abraham learned. And we're going to get into what Abraham's faith was. Abraham's faith, he says, follow his faith. The first thing he learned about the Lord was that God was his provider. Write it down. Abraham, what should we speak that Abraham learned, right? We're going to go there in a minute. So times of faith. Times of reality. Right? Faith will last forever. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Lord says, my words will remain forever. Amen. Right? And the words in you will remain forever as long as you remain. That's just what's, how it works. The callings and, and of God, the gifts of God, the development in it will remain as long as you remain. Mm-hmm. And God wants to use that. He birthed it, and he wants to use that. I may have to turn this thing off in a second. So four types of faith. Number one is Thomas faith, and I want you to write it down. And you, we all start there, right? Thomas faith. The Thomas kind of faith is... I won't believe, right? A little bit of stubbornness. Unless I feel, unless I see, unless I touch, I won't believe. All the disciples said, Thomas, I want you to believe we saw the Lord. He did this. He goes, I'm not, I won't believe unless I could see, feel, and touch, right? And so we might start out that way and God God will increase you. And that's Thomas' faith. And under Thomas' faith, you write novice, sophomoric, dwarf, and childish. It's a small, but you've got to start somewhere, right? right. When I started uh, traveling uh, in different places with, uh, with gifts of healing and stuff like that, I, uh, I realized by the gift, because the gift will teach you, I realized that people wanted hands laid on them a lot. right it's okay to be skeptical and a holy skeptic like nathaniel but not like thomas where he's just rebelling because I, I i don't i don't want to and you never hear much about thomas after that encounter there's books written about him that he did some type of ministry in india or something like that but you don't hear much about him he's always he kind of got stuck in let me put your hand in the side touch do this i don't know i don't hear as much about him as i've done i've heard other people right that went into faith so novice faith of thomas Feel, touch, show me, right? Not us. We're, we're not a show me. We're believe and then see. Yes. And I'm, I'm telling you, your believing is not empty. I've talked to too many uh, pretend preachers uh, that would give me a bunch of rhetoric about, oh, uh, I just want to be obedient. No, I said, no, man, faith has evidence. And I'm not, if I don't have evidence eventually, then I need to pull the plug, 
and regroup and get in a different vein because God is real. And if I'm staying in a plug that's not reproducing evidence and not reproducing the substance, then I'm in a dead work and I'm pretending. Mm -hmm. Faith is not pretending. Faith has evidence. And after I told you being broke for a season and learning the basing in my latter years, uh, I remember Bill McEwen, uh, he used to say, I told him about uh, being in a million and a half dollar debt and all that happening. He was so funny. He's always been honest. He was like, man, that should go in the Bible. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? A million and a half dollars in debt and out in 12? I said, yeah, that's, he said, that's like a God thing. And he was, at that time, he goes, I don't really even care about that right now. Mm -hmm. But that was a real thing. And so you start out, don't despise small beginnings, and you keep doing it, exercising your faith, and it's, things will start happening. Mm -hmm. So whatever season you're in, I, the past history that you have experiences is your bears, your lions, use it, right? But don't make a monument. It was a movement. built a, a temple for them, but he was a military Italian Roman, right? Why was his faith greater than all the Israelis that had the promise? Why? I, I have to ask why, right? So you look into it, what's the why? He said, I, I'm a man of authority, right? So if you want to have experienced great faith, you kind of going to have to learn some things about authority, right? And all authority, God is authority, right? He gives authority. Matter of fact, in the story in Matthew 5, I think, he, it talks about uh, uh, this centurion, the fifth chapter, I think, and he, and, but at the end of Matthew, it talks about all authorities given to me, right, as my authority. So he, he says authority will help you with your faith, right? Mm -hmm. So what did he learn? A centurion, he, he knew, he said, don't come under my roof. I, I know you're the universal one. You have all authority. I know what it's like in the military. No, I just say a word and a hundred men that I'm responsible will do that word, right? And I know that you have authority. So if you say for my servant to be well, I don't have to come to your house. You don't have to lay hands on me. You don't have to touch me. I just know authority and I believe. So it, people forgot measures and boundaries. Mm -hmm. I, I was telling you the other day, there is no chaos. If you don't, if you stay in your lines, the Bible says in Psalms, my lines fall in pleasant places. If you stay in your lines, in your territory that God delegated to you, there won't be any chaos. Mm -hmm. It's why right, there's chaos in, in my, the life I've had in chaos is when people transgress their boundaries, step into my boundaries, crap in them and leave and don't want any consequences with them. Because they pushed into my boundaries. Therefore, they have to make that consequence. They have to, that's why you have to confront them. Because why weren't they listening to their boundaries? Because they're lawless. And what they do is they call, if you're lawless, you cause chaos. So you go through, you go past your boundaries, you don't listen, and you go into my boundary, and now we have a problem. And that's the only reason there's chaos. That's the only reason there is with anything. Like the phone calls about when you have people that are in charge of, and a responsibility, that is the authority. When you have other, like, hey, we're all going to meet tonight at this time, says the responsibility. 
The other people have no responsibility. Oh, no, we're not. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to do that. That's called lawlessness. And what does it cause? Chaos. And it, it takes things out of order. Uh, authority is by God is to bring order, is to bring sanity, is to remove confusion, right? That's what authority does. That's what boundaries do, right? That's why if you keep yourself in your boundaries, you're in God's delegated authority for you. But if you're learning other authority, you, you don't want just positional, you want statural. You refer, write it down. You respect, refer. That's what you do with authority. You recognize, respect, and refer. And if you can recognize it, respect it, and refer to it, that's a person with responsibility. Right. They have, when you have responsibility, that is authority. It's not tyranny. You could tell a man who has no authority is like Biden. Everything he does falls apart. He has no delegation from God. He has a position from men, and he's, he's collapsing under the pressure because he doesn't have the stature. If you're in a position in your life, a job, a, a, a church world, a, whatever world, if you have a position without stature, you're going to be collapsing. You can't do it because you don't have the goods. that You shouldn't be there. And that's a problem. And that causes chaos, just like I said the week ago. When I was in another city, the guy who was given laid on hands by men and mandates when they were doing meetings, and he, he didn't have it. He was collapsing because he didn't have the stature. Mm-hmm. And then he'd ask me, hey, can you speak? Yeah, you want me to speak now because that's where God delegated me and graced me. But when I'm done, then you want to go back to your positional nonsense. Right. It's silly. Mm-hmm. It's not effective. So, yeah, boundaries. So authority, right? So he said greater faith. I've never seen such greater faith in all of Israel. The third kind of faith is the Abraham kind of faith. Here we go. Hopefully I don't have to trim it. I'm trying to learn this thing. So the, the next faith is Abraham faith, right? And I want you to write in Abraham's, and I'm going to probably shut it down here in a minute. Abraham, it says in Romans 4, right? We'll go there. Romans 4, the Abraham kind of faith, right? Romans 4 talks about what shall we say Abraham has learned? And Abraham's called the father of our faith. Abraham was started a whole new covenant, right? Abraham is called the father of faith. Abraham established faith for us like David established authority for us. Mm. David went through trials with his faith, with giants, with Saul, and learning authority. And Abraham learned faith, right? So we all have a thing. We're going to walk through sometimes both, but he's the witness, and he's the one that we experience faith with, right? So Hebrews 4. Uh, sorry, Romans 4. Verse 1, and it reads like this. It says, What shall we say then, Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found? And I want you to say, what has he found? What did he find out about faith? And right below that, as we discover what he did find out about faith, uh, I'll get into maybe a verse, and I think I'm going to shut it down here in a minute. But when we learn what he did about faith, I want you to write next to it, Abraham's faith in God's sovereign reality. Because when we go back, and we are, we're going to take a travel, and we're going to go look at the view from God's perspective and the view from the New Testament perspective. The view from the New Testament shows how great Abraham was, you know, how he was flawless, he didn't weaken in faith, though, you know, he, he sounds like a giant. But when we go back to the illustration of God's sovereignty behind the scenes of this guy, he failed a ton of times. He, uh, he lied. He, he went south. God said, I, I, I'm your provider. He goes, yeah, I experienced that. Well, there's going to come a famine. Don't go south. He goes south. He sells out his wife, calls it. He doesn't want to get killed. He panics. He lives in fear. 
And the sovereignty of God kept him moving and becoming the father of faith. And we got to get that. I want to get the illustrations of the Lord's view, the sovereignty, reality, and faith's New Testament experience. Both sides, the humanity and the deity. I want to get into that, right? So, But I think I'm going to not belabor it. So Romans, what did Abraham find, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to give you this, and I stopped there last time. And uh, it reads like this. Uh, he believed God. It says, verse 19, he, he did not weaken in faith. This is the New Testament perspective. And sometimes we put this on ourselves of some type of perfected faith. And uh, Jesus is the author and perfecter. Unless you engage and take some steps into faith, you're, you're not going to have, it's going to get perfected as you do it. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was good as dead because he was 100 years old. And when he considered the bareness of Sarah's deadened womb, no unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong, say grew, mm -hmm. strong and empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. There's some keys in here that we'll go over maybe next week, but I want you guys as a homework assignment, if you want to go to Genesis 12 through 20. And look at, say, we looked at how he's not wavered, how strong he was, said he didn't doubt. But that's, that's the view from this New Testament reality. Look, I want you to look at the illustrations of what he really went through. And uh, some of that looked like some wavering to me, and it was. And that's, so that's going to reassure you, both old and new, right? The Bible in Psalms says the sum of his word is true. So when you put them together, the old illustrations will give you strength, realization, and the new is how you function in it, right? So... We'll do that. So I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna wrap it up here on that. And then the fourth faith uh, is is Jairus kind of faith. And the fourth faith, and I'm just gonna touch on the surface. And I'm gonna I hopefully get into both of the others. But Jairus was a guy. It was a good guy, and he he went to the Lord and he and he said, "Can you come? Uh, they're dead at my house, and this person's dying, and he's on his way. The Lord's on his way." But then in the way, as the Lord began to journey on that way, there was a woman that had an issue of blood that ran through all the crowd, pressed through, pushed through. She was dying of a cancer, and she touched the hem of his garment. The Lord stopped where he was going with Jairus, turned around and said, man, I felt power come out of me. You're, you, why, what happened? Yeah, I'm well. She stopped bleeding. Well, by that time zone, as he quit following Jairus, the good dude, and uh, he, all of a sudden, he's, this guy's going, oh, and the, they come to him and say, hey, she, she's already dead. Don't bother him anymore. It's too late. And you got to know that that guy could have went through things and you go through them as well as I do, that it's too late now. Um, I asked this, but now it's too late. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, overhearing, but ignoring. And he told Jairus, overhearing, but ignoring, just keep believing. And sometimes you're in that pocket. And sometimes you're in that just keep believing, right? But I heard this, but I'm doing this, but I'm tired of this. Just keep believing. Mm -hmm. Just keep believing. And that's, that will keep you in the game. So the, that's the fourth kind of faith. Though that's the over, I haven't delved into it. So a bit of that, you, can, you get the idea. We'll get into it more in depth next week. So I hope you got something out of it. I hope those listening. And if people are listening, if you text me and tell me, I can uh, know what's going on in your life and uh, address some things that maybe will help. So Father, thank you for today. More of a day of teaching. More of a day of educating. More of a day of equipping in that manner. So I thank you in every way that you appear, whether it's prophetically, whether it's teaching, whether it's line upon line, whether it's principles, whether it's just flat out inspiration. Whatever you do, we delight to do your will. So thank you, thank you, thank you. 
Let your word have free course, uh, not imprisoned in any fashion or form. In Jesus' name, amen.